You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. Queen's University announced on April 21st that Time's Higher Education Impact Rankings had revealed that Queen's placed first in Canada and fifth in the world in its global rankings of universities that are advancing the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals within and beyond their local communities. Established in 2019, the Time's Higher Education Impact Rankings assess a university's societal impact based on the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs a set of goals outlining a universal call to action to protect the planet and improve the lives and prospects of everyone, everywhere. Using carefully calibrated indicators across four broad areas, including research, outreach, teaching, and stewardship, Times Higher Education Impact Rankings are a recognition of those who are working today to build a better tomorrow. And with us today to discuss this extraordinary achievement is Dr. Patrick Dean, Principal and Vice Chancellor of Queen's University. Welcome back to CFRC and Campus Beat, Patrick. Hey, Diana, thanks. Great to be here. So, congratulations. What a huge achievement for Queen's University. Hearty congratulations to you and all. Oh, thanks very much. It's, it's uh, an extremely gratifying outcome to this process, uh, especially given it was our first uh, time participating. As you as you mentioned in your intro, the, the impact rankings were started in 2019 with a relatively small number of institutions participating. I think there were about 400 and some in, on that first uh, occasion. Uh, this year, there were more than 1,200 institutions participating from, oh, I can't remember the number of countries, but somewhere in the region of uh, 80 to 90 countries. So it is uh, particularly gratifying in that respect. So we came in for the first time and this was the best showing of any uh, first time institution in the, in the rankings this year. Wow, amazing. And uh, massive numbers that, uh, of competitors this year too. That, that it's been only a couple of years, but it seems to be an exponential growth in participants. So it seems like it'll continue to grow. I think it is growing because uh, in, there's been a shift in the way in which universities think about their mission and they're very, very, this is now a phenomenon across the globe, which I know about because of my work with the Magna Carta Observatory. There's a shift towards a sense of the social and global responsibilities institutions have. And the beauty of the sustainable development goals is that they provide a framework within which institutions can understand their mission. And that has such appeal globally. I think that is one of the things behind the growing numbers. Okay. Now, Patrick, can you tell us a little bit more about Times Higher Education Impact Rankings? What do you know of the overall purpose and the goals other than the highlights that I gave at the top? Well, I think you gave a really good summary. The way I'd, I'd introduce the impact people would be to say there's a, a fairly significant number of international university rankings which are now in place um, and over the years you know rankings have been a factor of uh, a fact of life for universities for 20 years now 
the methodologies have been refined and become stronger and better. The truth is though, each of the rankings tells you a slightly different thing about the institutions being ranked. So some rankings, for example, are very focused on research outcomes and research productivity. Others are very much focused on reputation, a much less tangible thing than the easily documented results of research. Uh, this set of rankings, I think, is very welcome and innovative because um, it's not so much focused on what you produce as on the impact you're having and the link between the work your institution is doing and the outcomes for society. Um, so I, for me, uh, it is a most welcome addition to the range of rankings that's available at, for this other reason. You can do very well in the impact rankings uh, if you're in uh, an impoverished part of the world, if you have a very small university with, that has its impact within a, a fairly local area, you can still do very well because the impact rankings adjust for these things. Mm -hmm. They are about the relationship between the work that an institution does and the impact that institution has or is capable of having on its community and society. So it, it's a set of rankings that sort of levels the playing field. So Harvard, the Harvards of the world do not automatically wind up at the top of the, this league table in the way they typically do uh, when the rankings are very focused on, let's say, research outputs. Indeed. So it sounds like it's not necessarily tied to how much uh, research funding, for example, that our university might attract, let alone the technologies that they have available to them or facilities, things like that. Absolutely true. I, I, I have a lot of admiration for Times Higher Education because this has been a very progressive shift uh, in, uh, in the design of these rankings. And they've even begun to think about uh, including teaching uh, issues uh, as a more decisive factor in the rankings. Teaching's not uh, f factored into these rankings in quite the way it might, but the Times Higher has a separate teaching excellence set of awards, which they, they will eventually bring into some kind of harmony with their rankings. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the, the impact rankings have been particularly exciting because of the opportunity they provided universities to think about and then to demonstrate their orientation to the big issues that, that face society and the world. Mm -hmm. Now, Let's learn more a little bit about the national win. Queen's has placed first in Canada. So tell us about the areas in which the university scored highest in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, these SDGs, and what initiatives, programs, or policies ultimately contributed to university's first place ranking? Well, um, I'll just, before I, I answer that that delicious question. Um, I'll just add to it that uh, this we're not just the first in Canada, we're the first in North America. Wow. This is very significant. If you look at the, uh, the, uh, the top, let's say, um, the top five or six universities in the rankings, uh, Manchester is in first place. Uh, then there are between Manchester and us in, in position five, there are three Australian universities. 
So uh, the first American university that appears on the list is in uh, ninth place, that's Arizona State. So this is significant. And so we're not just number one in Canada, we, we do lead the field uh, in North America, which is uh, important. Okay, wow, congratulations again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're invited uh, when you make submissions to uh, the impact rankings to address all 17 of the sustainable development goals of the UN, uh, or three of the first 16 plus the 17th. So the 17th goal is about partnership in support of all the other goals. So you, you have to talk, you have to address yourself to the question of your capacity to be a good partner in the broader interest of, of uh, the, uh, the, the global and, and the human community. But then the 16 goals that uh, uh, comprise the first part of this cover poverty, hunger, uh, good health and well-being, uh, quality education, gender equality, clean water, sanitation, clean energy, so on and so forth. Uh, the, you might say the, the first 16 of the, or the 16 uh, goals cover pretty well the full spectrum of the issues that matter and the challenge humanity today. Um, and that includes climate change and uh, uh, um, uh, life below water, life above ground and so on. Okay, so we submitted on all 17 goals. Uh, we submitted in excess of 600 pieces of evidence to support, or at least to demonstrate the work that is done at Queens in support of the goals. A good chunk of those were um, uh, links to websites for programs we offer or research institutes or that sort of thing. But it was a, a Herculean task actually on the part of the team that put our submission together to assemble all this <clears throat> evidence and to submit it in a way that was compelling and of course com complied with the very complex expectations of the times higher um, when you make these submissions. Uh, so the end result of this, of course, which is rather wonderful, is that of those 17 goals, um, we ranked uh, extremely well. In fact, we were top of the world in two of them. Um, in the first of the goals, which is no poverty, and in the 16th, uh, which given Queen's history of engagement with uh, the formation and shaping of our country is not all that surprising. The 16th goal is uh, peace, justice, and strong institutions. And so it was in, in those two uh, that we placed first in the world. There were a number of other uh, um, uh, uh, of the SDGs uh, in which we fared really well. Um, and uh, uh, they, they demonstrate the breadth of strength in the university uh, at the moment uh, uh, when you look at the full range of issues that are embraced by the goals. So it was a pretty remarkable um, uh, outcome for, for our university. The important thing I think to remember about it is that what we were doing essentially in making our submission was taking stock of what is already going on here. Uh, 
so uh, that to me is really gratifying you know that it gives us an indication of where we might go things we might develop more things we might do but it gives us a very good sense of how we stack up next to at least 1200 other global major institutions uh, in terms of the work we're already doing that advances the cause uh, mm. uh, with these goals. Okay, so let's hear a little bit more about some of the evidence that you mentioned, 600 pieces of evidence roughly. So I'm assuming this evidence comes from uh, research programs, uh, teaching, uh, so the, the Times Higher um, looks at basically four categories of activity in a university. Mm -hmm. They look at research, they look at teaching. So therefore the evidence would have been, you know, research activity or outputs in the one case, there will be for teaching, it would be programs, kinds of programs we offer. Mm -hmm. But then there are two other categories. So there's research and teaching, uh, stewardship, which has to do with the way in which we manage our affairs. So for example, uh, sustainability initiatives in the daily life of the university were presented as evidence. The work we do to make this, uh, to reduce our, our carbon footprint, all of those kinds of things, our, our, our sustainability targets as an institution. And then outreach. Mm -hmm. So those are the four categories, research, teaching, um, uh, stewardship and outreach. Okay. And I'll give, you an example. I'll give you an example in terms of outreach, the, the PhD community initiative. So we have this wonderful program, which particularly now this year uh, has been, uh, I suppose, the, the site of a particularly productive collaboration with the city on how to build Kingston's recovery from COVID. And we have interdisciplinary groups of PhD students working with the city on, uh, on preparing the way for the recovery of Kingston at large. So that's an example of an outreach program that is actually has got a history here. We've done extremely good work in, in these kinds of interactions between PhD students, uh, multidisciplinary groups of PhD students and the community for a number of years. So there's an example of that. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about, um, uh, I don't know quite where this would fit under the four categories of, uh, uh, of the times higher, but it speaks to one of the reasons why we did well on the no poverty goal. Uh, and here I'll talk about the Promise Scholars program. So uh, the Promise Scholars is a relatively new program uh, designed to enhance access to Queens for first generation students uh, from our region. So this is one of many accessibility initiatives we have at Queen's, um, uh, which will surprise many people because of the assumption that, you know, in the broader culture, there's the assumption that Queen's is a very exclusive place, but we have extremely extensive programs that support accessibility for people with economic and other kinds of obstacles to being part of the university. And so the Promise Scholars is one particular example of that, which speaks to the need in our own community and in the first generation community uh, to ensure that students who can benefit from uh, an education at our university to come here. Uh, so th that's the kind of evidence, Dinah, that uh, uh, makes up the, the formidable 600 <laughs> 
pieces uh, of evidence provided. And I have to say, by the way, you know, it is, the Times Higher is very careful to verify uh, these submissions. So, you know, a fair chunk of the data they look at is quantifiable and derived from publicly available sources, or at least it can be verified um, uh, uh, through publicly available sources. And then even with uh, what, what you might think of as sort of non-quantifiable evidence, uh, they have ways of testing the the uh, both the accuracy and the authenticity of the evidence mm -hmm. well thank you very much thank you very much it's great to hear about some of the initiatives and research and things like that that have contributed uh directly to uh to these wins uh appreciate that so now let's hear more too. You you mentioned the Herculean task of putting the submission together and it sounds like there's a, a a big team across the university involved in this work. Can you tell us more about the work of even preparing this submission? What might that have looked like? This is substantially more detailed and much greater and larger than any typical research grant, for example. What are we looking at here? Well, I think the challenge here uh, was a challenge we deal with all the time, uh, which is the issue of our decentralization. So universities at the best of times are diffuse places where activity goes on on many fronts. Uh, they are by their nature decentralized kinds of places. We are an unusually uh, uh, decentralized institution even within that context. So the challenge of assembling this data uh, is that what was needed was distributed all over the institution. So that, I mean, there's, there's no more complex way of describing what the group was faced with, which was to comb through um, documents, policies, strategies, records, websites, and uh, to assemble as much evidence as uh, we could uh, that was in, in conformity with the expectations of the Times Highest Guidelines. So it was uh, Herculean, um, but what I would say also a strategically critical process, and this is one thing I, I would want to say about the, these rankings. We participated in them uh, not just or primarily to get a good result. We participated in them because we wanted to actually assess where we stand against the 17 sustainable development goals. And the Times Higher guidelines for participation in a sense helped us do that. They drove this process, which was a, you know, I do think of it as a, a, in this case for us this year, a process of self-discovery. Mm -hmm. So the team went places th that we don't always go to try to bring together information of various sorts. Um, uh, and that would be really important for us uh, far beyond the submission to the rankings process, because we now know, for example, you know, how much work is going on here. Let's take that peace, justice and, and sound institutions uh, goal. Uh, we now know um, in a much more comprehensive way about the activity within the parameters of that goal that goes on on campus, and therefore what we might build on in the future. 
Uh, the same would be true of poverty. So um, the, 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 the process was an extraordinary service. I, I should say the process that was so brilliantly executed by that team was a major contribution to the university and our capacity for planning, uh, as well as a major contribution in the sense that it produced this lovely outcome in terms of the rankings. Thank you for that. Let's hear more too uh, about where the university really goes from here. I liked how you talked about even at the top that uh, the this competition made you made the university really reevaluate or or look at its own mission. For example, what happens next for the university when it's compared itself to what these goals actually are and where it might stand alongside these seventeen goals? How will the university move forward from here? That's obviously the, the critical question. Well, here, here's what I would say. We're in the, uh, the middle of a strategic uh, planning process at the moment. Uh, I concluded my conversation, you'll recall, uh, last fall. Um, I've been developing a, a framework, a strategic framework that lays out a mission and vision for us and six of our own goals uh, for the institution, which will address uh, some of the concerns that emerged in the conversation. So we're in the middle of that process and the sustainable development goals have been a backdrop to a lot of that discussion because um, you'll remember that in the, in the very early pages of the, my report on the conversation, I talk about the hunger I noticed in our community when I began the conversation and which was present right to the end of the conversation, the hunger in our community for a sense of greater mission, global impact. So uh, we know that's there. We know the members of our community want to understand what our impact is and they want to be consciously working to advance it. Uh, and uh, so, there we are in our strategic planning process. We have this feedback on the sustainable development goals. We have this information on how far down the road we are actually in having an impact under a number of these headings. So that enables us now to think as we ponder our strategy for the future, uh, where we might want to put, it, put emphasis, um, where we discover we have a lot of activity, let's say, how we bring that together. So then that's a matter of what kind of interdisciplinary connections do we forge internally that we didn't really realize we had the potential to do. Um, mm -hmm. And that will all feed into uh, a sort of strategic, an implementation plan, uh, which I'm, I'm hoping we'll have com completed by uh, this fall. And that will enshrine, I think, a sense of global mission and the importance of that mission. And in articulating that mission for a considerable part, we will make use of the language of the 17 sustainable development goals. Not everywhere. And I, I, I'm always at pains to say to people that we, we shouldn't think reductively about this. You know, it, a, a piece of research or a, a course of study in the institution doesn't have to be validated by a demonstrable and simplistic connection to one of the 17 goals. Um, 
what is important is that we understand our overall mission as being one of addressing those, those bigger global issues. But within that, um, uh, the breadth of issues studied and researched in the university must continue, right? So it's not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not about slavishly now saying, all we're gonna do is work on these 17 topics. Um, not at all. It's the framework within which we can understand the broader mission. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. Anything else to add before we close today? Um, yeah, actually, here's one thing I'll say. Um, and it's about goal 17, uh, partnership for the goals. You know, anybody who has worked with the goals will understand that that, that is the crux because the whole sustainable development goals framework is premised on the idea that institutions and countries collaborate in their joint interest uh, to put an end to some of these global plights like poverty, hunger, and so on. uh, And to, for example, have a positive effect on climate change. It's all premised on collaboration. Um, And I really welcome that. Uh, And what is beautiful about the SDGs and the extent to which universities are adopting them is that we are all now in a sense talking a shared language about our purpose. So, you know, if you're a university in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, you will address yourselves to the goals in a way that will be quite different if you're in Botswana. Uh, However, while the local manifestations of institutional focus on the SDGs will be different, the fact that we're all starting to talk about these designated issues means that there's huge potential for networks of collaboration to grow up across the world that will make a difference. They already exist through the International Association of Universities. There are networks that are devoted to advancing work on individual goals. But just think about this. There are now 1,200 universities in the world that have done this stock taking in terms of the SDGs. We could reach out to any one of them to talk about what we're doing and link it to what they're doing. Um, uh, And there are all kinds of benefits to this. One maximizes impact on the globe, which is important, but it opens up possibilities for new intellectual uh, uh, work in our own university setting, more research, programs in collaboration with other institutions and so on. It's, It's a terribly exciting uh, process to be part of. Um, I, I, I wrote uh, an op-ed for Times Higher, which they published yesterday, which was also uh, re- republished in the Gazette. Um, and I talk there about the potential this has to make the thing, the, the, no, the notion of a global academy, a real thing, as opposed to just an abstract notion. Uh, and uh, Two things to be really excited about, you know, uh, that potential for cooperation across the globe that'll make a difference. And because we fared so well in these rankings, we can be a key player in many of these networks and partnerships. Uh, and that will be a huge benefit both to Queens and enable us uh, to be a more effective asset uh, in the broader world.
What a truly exciting prospect that is. And what a great note to leave off with. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thanks, Diana. Folks, we have been chatting with Dr. Patrick Dean, the principal and vice chancellor of Queen's University about Queen's University's very recent first place ranking in Canada and North America and fifth place ranking around the world for the Times Higher Education Impact Rankings. Thank you so much for sharing so much about uh, all of the great work that uh, went into uh, these achievements and congratulations once again. Thanks, Diana. It was most truly a team effort, uh, not only on the part of the team who collected all the data, but it brought home what a team the whole university is, uh, a winning team. So it's, it's been a really gratifying, gratifying process. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, Diana. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.